battle in the heart of Alabama caught our attention. Coal miners in one community, they've been on strike now for months. Working as long as 12 hours a day, seven days a week, in some of the most dangerous conditions. I really think that the labor movement is the single greatest force for democracy in the history of the United States. The story of Alabama is a story of not just resilience, but of militancy. I If we ain't all free, ain't none of us free. You're listening to Alabama's only union talk radio show, The Valley Labor Report, with Adam Keller and Jacob Morrison. Hello, Tennessee Valley. This is The Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host and fellow agitator is Adam Keller, but he's in Houston, Texas today. So Ben Jove is here sitting in for Adam. All right. We're broadcasting live online and on the radio from the heart of the Tennessee Valley, the Spice Radio Studio in Huntsville, Alabama. Today, Tommy Tuberville, the million-dollar quitter, says you are lazy. Hyundai is running from responsibility. The AEA's elections are coming up. All that and more on today's program. If you want to be part of the show today, we've got a phone number and... The line is open. You can call or text 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. You can also leave us a voicemail or shoot us a text all throughout the week, any time of day or night. If you haven't gotten enough of us by the time that we wrap here on the radio, or if you just want to see what we're up to throughout the week, then you should follow us online. We're anywhere you find anything online, all at... The Valley Labor Report, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, all of that at The Valley Labor Report, wherever you get your podcasts, The Valley Labor Report. Just a reminder, your support helps us stay on the air. Our largest single source of funding comes directly from our listeners. So if you want to become a sustaining member of the program, make a one-time donation or buy our hat, you can go to our website, tvlr.fm, tvlr.fm slash store, tvlr.fm slash donate, or you can become a patron at patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. Uh, if you're a member of a union, then maybe get your local to sponsor the show. You can reach out to me for more details on that. I am more than happy to make appearances at general membership meetings and answer questions from the membership about uh, about the program and about um, you know about in- anything, just just anything at all. If they have questions about sponsoring the show, happy to come and chat. So uh, we're going to go ahead and jump into Last Week in Southern Labor. Last Week in Southern Labor is a segment that we do every week, mostly, where we tell you what happened in the labor movement in the South. We pull the information from Jonah Furman's newsletter, Who Gets the Bird?, which compiles all of this information for the entire United States. So if you want to see what's going on outside of the South, then subscribe to that newsletter at whogetsthebird.substack.com. And with that, let's jump into new organizing for the week October for the week of October 15th through the 22nd. 63 workers at Whiskey Maker Woodford Reserve in Versailles, Kentucky, 
are unionizing with Teamsters Local 651. Ten helicopter mechanics at Fort Hood, Texas are joining the machinists. Fourteen digital optimization team workers for news giant Gannett in Louisville, Kentucky are joining the Indianapolis News Guild. Workers who produce TV commercials have won a neutrality agreement through IATSE with the Employers Association. They'll still have to win an election to win a union, but agreeing on some ground rules is a very important part of that process. In wins and losses, in Charlotte, North Carolina, 61 drivers for U.S. Foods voted 28-24 to to join the Teamsters. 39 workers at two more shops, including one in Denison, Texas, voted to join Starbucks Workers United 24-7, to all told. 17 workers for Maytag Aircraft in Fort Worth, Texas, voted unanimously 10-0 to to join the machinists. 30 workers at a Starbucks in Nichols Hill, Oklahoma, which is kind of on the boundary, but this is such an important story that I figured I'd, I'd, figured I'd uh, uh, include it in the roundup. They have apparently filed to decertify the union there, Starbucks Workers United. And that is a store which was only officially organized in May. Now, Decertification votes are not valid within the first year. You can't decertify your union until a year after you win the union. You have to wait at least that long before you can vote to decertify. And it's the same thing if you lose an election. If you have a union election and then you lose the election, you can't try to get another vote until at least a year later. Same thing if you win a union. You have to wait until a year. Um, and, And so... With that being the case and the amount of open, unfair labor practices, both at that store in particular and nationally, means that this petition is almost certainly going to be thrown out. But it's a sign of what's to come at stores across the country as the employer continues its scorched earth campaign at Starbucks. In strikes and bargaining, Starbucks workers sue management in Anderson, South Carolina for defamation for filing a false police report accusing them, let's remember, of kidnapping and assault. Kidnapping and assault for talking to the manager. Very scary stuff. Very scary. (laughs) Insane. So Starbucks workers are suing management at that location, and good for them. Hope they get some money out of that. In Alabama, the West Rock paper mill lockout of about 500 steelworker members continues, and the Working People podcast has the story from me. I went down to the picket line and interviewed five five workers who are locked out uh, from the picket line. You can actually hear cars driving past us as we do the interview. So uh, go to the Working People podcast feed and you can check out those interviews. Further south, several hundred longshoremen with ILA, the International Longshore Association, local 1410 in Mobile, Alabama, were set to strike but had a last-minute deal through federal mediation that has, for now, postponed the action, per The Guardian's Michael Sonato. 
Transit workers with the Amalgamated Transit Union Local 1447 in Louisville have authorized a potentially illegal strike by 95% as they push for a three-year contract with 21% raises. So here's to them. In politics and legislation, we had one update. The Prince William County, Virginia School District has become the latest Virginia jurisdiction to pass a collective bargaining ordinance. But union activists are decrying it as weak, both in terms of holding formal elections and in the actual bargaining that it allows for. In internal union politics, UAW members are officially voting in the first ever direct elections for national officers in the union. It's very unclear how many members are going to vote in last year's referendum that led to this election. Remember, there was a referendum before on whether to vote, right? They had a vote on whether they were going to vote <laughs> on the top officers. And that turnout was only 14%. So, uh, and because the Constitutional Convention rejected ranked choice voting, there are likely to be runoffs in 2023 for at least the, the top spot, the, the, the international president, where five candidates are running. The incumbent Ray Curry, the members United Reform Challenger Sean Fain, the very active on Facebook Brian Keller, the World Socialist website candidate Will Lehman, and UAW Local 163 leader Mark Gibby Gibson are challenging. Uh, they're all they're all vying for that one spot, and there's probably going to be at least a runoff for the uh, for the vice president position as well, where eight candidates are vying for three spots. In Region 9A, where UAW members United candidate Brandon Mansilla is going up against incumbent Administration Caucus candidate Beverly Brakeman, some members are not receiving ballots. Not great. The 65,000 members of the Airline Pilots Association have a new president after a contested election. As part of the extended fallout from the ongoing contentious rail negotiations, Reese Murtog, a local chairman out of Machinists Local Lodge 696 out of Richmond, Virginia, is planning to challenge incumbent Kyle Luce for the presidency of Machinists District Lodge 19, which is the 6,000-member district of rail machinists, around 4,000 of whom work on freight railroads covered under the ongoing negotiations. Hamilton Nolan has another great column over at In These Times, this time on the UFCW International's mealy-mouthed response to the proposed Kroger-Albertson's merger uh, and that union's general weakness. At 1.2 million members, uh, Hamilton makes the point in his article, at 1.2 million members, the UFCW really should be, you know, really has the ability, it seems like, to be leading the labor movement in more ways than it is. And, and it, just, it, it just does not, that does not seem to be the case. So, um, so Tommy Tuberville, Tommy Tuberville is the U.S. Senator from the state of Alabama. And that is a position that he got only by virtue of having been a well-known head coach at Auburn University, right? I mean, we already, you know, I think that even even people that voted for him would would understand that, and and I don't I don't think that 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 that's a very 
controversial opinion, right? That he he won because he was a popular uh, uh, football guy. That's it. Um, And Auburn University is, let's remember, a public institution. And so its employees, including the head coaches, uh, they are state employees. They are state government employees. That means their salaries are paid by us, the community, the citizens, the taxpayer of Alabama. That's a position head coach at Auburn for which he was paid tens of millions of dollars by the people of Alabama and for which he was paid $5 million, $5 million by the people of Alabama to quit. He resigned with three years left to go in his contract and got $5 million. The people of Alabama paid Tommy Tupperville $5 million to quit. Beautiful system. Yeah. I, you know, I, I just, I think that's an important preface uh, to, you know, to, to, to this, to this recent story about Tommy Tupperville. You know, Ben, I, how much do you think that you would get in a severance package from your job if you went in tomorrow and handed him your letter of resignation? Do you, you know, do you, I, it's, I know it's probably not going to be five million, but I mean, do you think you could at least get like one milli from him? Or I feel like I would get a really good Arby's coupon. Oh. And uh, well, yeah, that's not nothing. That's a not lanyard. Nothing. Perhaps. Perhaps a lanyard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so that's that's the severance packages that, that normal people get, right? That that working people get. But uh but of course, uh special people like Tommy Tupperville get five million dollars from the state of Alabama to quit. Well, uh Tommy Tupperville, the five million dollar quitter, is, like I said, the US Senator for the state of Alabama. That is also a position where he's getting, I mean, he is really, really raking in the government money. He is really suckling on the government teat, Tommy Tuberville. That is a position uh, for which he is also paid by the people of this country, ostensibly for, you know, representing us. Uh, While in this position, he has been a prolific stock trader. Of the literal millions of dollars he has traded while in Congress, again, supposedly this guy is like working for us, right? Supposedly he's he's supposed to be working for us. He's supposed to be representing us, uh, and and you know, but he's been able to trade millions of dollars worth of stock. Of the millions of dollars he has traded while in Congress. He has violated the Stock Act and refused to file more than 130 transactions on time. Transactions worth between $900,000 and $3.5 million. So between a million and $3.5 million, and that is just the trades that he has violated the law on. The extremely lenient law. And of course, Alabama stock trader on the Hill is opposed to banning stocks. He's opposed to banning stock trading. He says he reckons it would severely limit the number of folks willing to serve in Congress. Tommy Tuberville reckons it would severely limit the number of folks willing to serve in Congress if they were not allowed to make money by having money. If it's not enough millions, is what you're saying. Yes, 
Exactly. They're, they're just uh, some millions, but not right. enough millions. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're not able to just sit on, on your pile of cash and have more cash come to you by virtue of that, then that would really that would really dissuade people from serving. And you know, look, I think I think I understand that that one of the stations that we are on is a conservative radio station, and I understand that a lot of people in that audience will have voted for Tommy Tuberville. But like, does that not, you know, does hearing that not make you question his commitment to the people of Alabama? Does that not just make you think? for a second about like, huh, I wonder if this guy is really in there to represent me or if he's in there to get some stock tips. I think that most people under the sound of my voice on, you know, the the more liberal talk stations that we're on and the more conservative talk stations that we're on, I think everybody, I think everybody could agree that, that if, if, if that is the case, if it is the, if it is the case that banning stock trading while in Congress would actually limit the number of people willing to serve, I think that most people would agree that's a good thing. Because I do not want people representing me in Congress that would not represent me in Congress if they couldn't make millions of dollars while they were there. I don't want that to be the motivation for them going to D.C., and it's just more anti-worker motivation, too. It's yeah. just like when they're worried about these uh, people who own stocks, what do you got, shareholders and stuff, mm -hmm. they're right. definitely not, well, what's best for the rank and file? They're, no, they're right, like, right. how can we exploit our resources, including uh, our friends and family, which are their mm -hmm. resources? Exactly. I mean, I just, I, I don't think that's a controversial opinion. If, if there are people that would say, no, thanks, I'm not going to go to Congress because I can't trade stocks, then good. We don't want you in Congress. I just want a little insider trading with my yeah, political right, power. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, so our million-dollar quitter who basically said that he wouldn't want to be in Congress if he, if he couldn't trade stocks. I mean, that's more or less what he said. This week, he's in the news saying this. What's happening in our country right now, we're getting too many takers in our country. Too many people to take a check, and they don't want to give back. They don't want to go to work. We've got Generation X and these millennials to under... We've got to get Generation X and these millennials to understand that you have to tote your own load. You got to tote your own load. And, you know, lest you think that Tupperville has some weird axe to grind with Gen Xers, a spokesman for his office clarified that the group of Americans he meant to attack was Gen Z not Gen X. Uh, he wanted to make that clear, wanted to clear up any confusion. Uh, 45 to 65-year-olds, he's totally fine with. If you're under 25, he hates you, is basically that. He also elaborated with uh, Way 31 and said, quote, uh, we're getting too many takers in our country. They'd rather take a government check, which is which is literally what he did. He's a professional, <laughs> and he's one of the best. One of the best. <laughs> That's all he's ever done is One take a government check. One of the best public, publicly funded oh my <laughs> jobs gosh. you could get, I'm sure. I mean, this guy, all he's ever done. Did he ever do anything before he was a coach? I don't know. All he's ever done is take a government check. All he's ever done is take a government check. 
And now, you know, look, like, I don't, if we want to be charitable, and who knows, maybe this is the case, right? After all, all the, all the people that he'd be palling around with in D.C. Uh, and in Montgomery at all, all these fancy fundraisers that you and I are never going to go to, right? Uh, you know, all the people that he'd be palling around with in his day-to-day life as a multi-multi-multi-millionaire, right? <laughs> uh, maybe he's talking about the children of the rich kids that he sees that just coast on their parents' wealth. I've seen I've seen people like that. I've seen people that you know the the, the wealth of their family has just totally destroyed them, right? Uh, yeah, all those stocks have to go somewhere. Right, so it's right, like the right. Circle, circle of life. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe he's talking about the CEOs who are making a thousand times what their median employee makes. Maybe that's what he's talking about. I now I could get behind that. I, I could get behind the idea that we've got too many takers in our country uh, and they're the bosses, right? <laughs> we have, we do. We do have too many takers in our country and they're the bosses and executives and CEOs. Uh, that's that's who the takers in this country are. That's who the takers are. But, of course, that's not, that's not who he's talking about, right? And we know that. That's not who he's talking about. He is trying to bring forward for the people listening to him. He's trying to bring forward this idea of some lazy young person who just refuses to work or contribute to our society. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, I, t- I tell you what, as a young person, I cannot bring to mind a single person. I, I don't know a single person that either does not have a job or is in college full time. I, I can't think of anybody that would match that description offhand. offhand. And I think that's, I mean, I, I think that's the case for most people. I mean, Ben, how many people, how many people do you know that's just sitting on their couch, uh, you know, for, for no reason, totally able-bodied, and are, are just, just skating by on government checks? I don't, I don't, can't think of any, at least. Can't think of any, yeah. I mean, that's, I, I mean, I can't, I can't think of any. And he's going with this attack, despite the fact that the labor force participation rate among working age folks, working age defined as 25 to 54 by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, is up 20 points over the last 70 years. We have 20% more working age people working today than in 1950. Of the working, of working age people, of people aged 25 to 54, 20% more of those people are working today than in 1950. We're at the same labor force participation rate that we were before the pandemic started. And Tupperville, who I, I cannot mention him without reminding you, got millions of dollars to quit he is scolding us for not working enough. But maybe, I don't know, maybe let's let's dig into the data a little bit more. Maybe if we get a little bit more granular, maybe, maybe we can see, maybe that's going to reveal something. If we dig a little bit deeper into the data, if we look at <coughs> 16 to 19-year-olds, 20 years ago, in 2001, about 50% of them had a job. Today, it's 36%. Now, there's a significant decrease in high school-aged children working.
today. Uh, yep. Okay. You got me there, uh, but I will say that I don't think it's bad that fewer high school age children are working. <laughs> I think that is actually uh, very good for society that less high school age children are having to work, okay? So let's go up another age bracket. Let's go 20 to 24, 20 to 24. Uh, 20 years ago, we had 77% of 20 to 24 year olds had a job. Now it's 71%. So we see that the decline in the labor force participation rate among this age group is much, 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 much less than the high school age children, right? It's very, it's pretty similar, 77% to 71%. It's a little bit of a drop, but, you know, I think that this can pretty easily be chalked up to more people going to college than 20 years ago. I think that's a pretty easy explanation, and again... I think that's good. I think it's good uh, that more people are getting more education. I think that's good for society. When we get to ages where folks are really going to be out in the workforce, you know, like this, this, you know, uh, when, when we get to 25 to 34, right, these are really, you know, almost everybody's going to be out of college at this point, And we're going to be, you know, this is my age demographic, 25 to 34. We're going to be in the workforce, right? Uh the labor force participation rate among 25 to 34 year olds is almost identical. Almost identical. It was 84% 20 years ago. It's 82% now. But it was actually lower than it is now in 2010, 2011. It was 81.5% in 2011. And so actually, there are more young people working than there were 10 years ago. Among 35 to 44-year-olds, same thing. We went from 84% to 82%. So this idea that he's putting out there, that there's just this horde of young people that are just stealing from the hard-working olds, it's absurd. It's absurd. It is not based in reality. He's trying to gin up generational divisions, stir up resentment, divide us up so that we don't see who the real takers are. And that's the bosses. That's the big bosses, the executives, the people in New York and D.C. These are the these are the takers. But he wants you to reckon it's your grandson or your granddaughter. Because while more people are working than ever, which is a fact, more people are working than ever. More people, more working age people are working than ever. Our wages are stagnant. We're taking pay cuts during this inflationary period that is largely being caused by price gouging. You don't believe me? I mean, just look at the numbers. It has been shown that more than 50%. 50%, the majority, the majority of the increase in prices has gone to what? Has gone to what? Maybe increased wages for those greedy, quiet quitters. Maybe it was increased capital investment or maybe it was an uh, increase in cost due to supply chain issues. No, no, and no. More than 50% of the increase in prices during this inflationary period, during, during the last year or so, has gone directly to increased profit. Not to higher wages, 
not to capital investment. Nothing. Just increased profit. Just literally the people that own taking from the people that don't. That's where all this all this money is going. It's going to the going to bank accounts of people that have more money than they know what to do with. And here in Alabama, I mean, we see it all across the state. Paper mill workers were locked out a few weeks ago because this big international corporation wants them to take what amounts to a 10% wage cut. This big international corporation wants them to give up their protections against overwork while their CEO got a 300% raise. The CEO to median worker pay ratio at Amazon is 6,474 to 1. For every dollar that an Amazon worker makes, Jeff Bezos makes 6,474. In the 50s, the average CEO to worker pay ratio was 25 to 1, which 25 to 1 is is really is it still sounds like a lot if you just think about 25 times more than somebody. You are making, you know, it's not like like okay, I'm making 80,000 and my boss is making 300,000. You know, that's that's something on the order of, of what, three or four times? And that still sounds like a pretty big divide, right? That still sounds like we're talking in, in the 50s, it was 25 to 1. 25 times. The average CEO made 25 times what their median worker made. I think that sounds like a lot. I think that sounds like a lot. Now, it's something like 300 something to 1. 300-something to one on average. So, I mean, it's, it's clear, it's clear, it's clear. It could not be more clear who the takers are. It's the people at the top. It's the people at the top. It's bosses, it's politicians, it's the executives, it's the people donating to Tupperville's campaign. But he wants you to be mad at your granddaughter or your grandson for literally no reason. This week it's young folks, next week it's going to be immigrants, the next the gays, and on and on it goes. All the while, folks like him get millions of dollars to literally do nothing. Yeah, I'm not, I haven't checked the uh, number of bills he's put up, but uh, I, I don't know if he's, uh, if he's quite living up to those millions of dollars <laughs> he's making off stocks right now. Uh, I would not think so. I wouldn't think so. Uh, Ben, it looks like we've got a caller. Can we bring them on the air? All right. Give me just a moment. Appreciate you calling in, caller. Uh, And I I, I mean, I just, this really, really, this really, I think, as you can tell, ruffled my feathers. All right. As they say. Pull this collar in, see if we can get to. Yep. Hello, you are live. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I was just going to add that Tuberville also uh, deferred this to the prison strike. Did you see that in the uh, in there, guys, with, with his rebuttal to what happened? 
I did not. Yes, you should do that. WBRC, um, their little article of what he said, he continues after what you guys have talked about, uh, saying Democrats want to let rapists and murderers uh, have a work strike type stuff. And I was just going to bring that to your attention because mm. I thought that that was also him furring and, and saying things that were not exactly correct just to make his why he was going right. to be his point. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, that's... And and I appreciate it. And this is this is Charles, right from uh, from Athens. Is that right? It is. It's it's good to hear from you, Morgan County. From Morgan County, yeah. It's good to hear from you again. And, and yeah, and that's what you know. I'm, and that's what these. I mean, that's what these politicians do. I mean, they they just, uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's amazing, and it, and it's amazing. And you know, the the thing about this prison strike thing that I just I can't understand is. That people like Tupperville and people like you know other other talk radio hosts they they know that these people most of these people 97 of these people are going to be back out they're going to be back out on the street and so the idea that that you're going to take the time to ridicule these prisoners for trying to make their conditions better rather than trying to try, you know rather than saying okay look here's a good time to advocate that our politicians actually do something, it's bizarre to me. It's, it's totally, it's anti-public safety, I mean, is what it is. It's anti-public safety. You know, they want to be law and order, and they want to be tough on crime and all this. And, and well, if you really want to make the public safe, you really want to make people safe, you have to make prisons an actual, you can, you know, we can talk about the degree to which they can be punitive or not. But you have to make them rehabilitative for the people that are going to come out. And the fact of the matter is, our prisons are not. Well, no, we do nothing, and, and our parole our parole rate is so low that it is in, a, in an extreme. I think it's only 11% get parole now that uh, they changed. I don't know if you, you knew it, but the legislature created a bill that made it uh, a whole different way of selecting the uh, parole board members. And uh, a whole lot more. Charles Graddock was uh, is still in charge, but he had to uh, go further in uh, letting victims know that someone was out, and so a whole lot of postponing got done. Got done then. But guys, I've got a letter going to the federal district uh, court. Uh, should should arrive on Monday. That's t uh, to assist the mentally severely mentally challenged that are in the prisons and, and have been in isolation, some of them for years, seeking habeas corpus relief, a means to give them a means of seeking relief because of their mental impairments are so severe they couldn't even write a letter. Mm. Well, and so that, that'll be happening on Monday and, and throughout next week. Uh, a lot of stuff's coming up that no one realizes yeah. the situation. Yeah, absolutely. That. That sounds great, and I appreciate it. And I appreciate, you know, I mean, the people that, the people that do the work to, um, to help prisoners, to help people when they are at their lowest point in life, to try to come back and and to try to, um, try to treat them with some some sort of humanity. I think that that the folks like that, public defenders, you know, people that, you know, I think that it's important that we have a, a right to an attorney in this country, something that, that's in the Constitution and and, you know, uh, uh, you know, things like 
people, you know, defending the worst people. Um, you know, I, I think that folks that do work like that are really undervalued in society. And, and so I, I appreciate I appreciate you doing that for those folks, man. Well, I, mean, I, well, I, I thank you for I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do mm-hmm. in, in any way you look at it to to uh, to do the right thing and to have empathy are a very important thing that we don't need to lose as a, as a society. It speaks volumes about us if we do not have empathy. I agree. I thank you for taking my call. Yep. Thanks, Charles. Appreciate appreciate the call. Um. Yeah, that was. I mean, that I. You know, I don't. Nothing else really to say about that. That's a good call. Appreciate it. And uh, and, and and update us on that letter. Uh, we're gonna go really quick, and we're gonna play this. Uh, we're gonna play this clip from Adam, where he talks about some. Uh, he rec- he pre-recorded this segment last week talking about some uh, issues with the retiree, with municipal retiree bonuses. So we're going to play that, we're going to take a break, and then we'll be right back. So Ben, play that clip for us. All right, folks, Adam Keller here, and I wanted to talk a little bit about local government retirees. Every month, the Retirement Systems of Alabama sends out its newsletter called the RSA Advisor to all of its members. I appreciate that the head of the RSA, Dr. David Bronner, frequently uses his platform to advocate for common sense ways to make Alabama better, from repeatedly urging the expansion of Medicaid to highlighting the extraordinarily low property tax rates in the state. No doubt this is just one of the many many reasons why Dr. Bronner inspires such jealousy and disdain among certain circles of the ALGOP. This month, he chose to name and shame some local governments who did not follow suit with the state and grant bonuses to their retirees. And folks, I'm definitely here for this naming and shaming. From the October advisor, quote, recognizing the strain that inflation was putting on retirees, the Alabama legislature granted bonuses to all retired public education employees and state employees, which were paid in April. The legislature also authorized the almost 800 local government employers who have retirees, including cities, counties, boards, and commissions that participate in the RSA to provide these same bonuses to their retirees. Of those, 475 local employers accepted this opportunity to help their retirees by authorizing these bonuses. These bonuses will be paid in October. Unfortunately, just over 300 local employers declined to provide this additional benefit to their retirees. Close quote. Now, before we go on, I want to add that these bonuses are incredibly modest. We're talking, you know, a couple hundred bucks in most cases. Education and state retirees have gone well over a decade without a true COLA or cost of living adjustment. Dr. Bronner is resistant to any kind of unfunded COLA, which I believe is the responsible position for him to have. But of course, the supermajority controlling Alabama's government is resistant to almost any kind of new tax revenue that might could fund, fund a COLA. And many of the GOP legislators have been dismissive of even the merit of a COLA separate from any funding concerns. In other words, they would be opposed to giving state and education retirees a COLA, even if there was plenty of money lying around to pay for it. They argue that since they are privileged to have a defined benefit pension, they know exactly how much their retirement will be for the rest of their lives, and they shouldn't expect it to go up. Of course, that's easier said than done for the retirees across Alabama facing rising cost of living 
and declining purchasing power. Public education and government retirees dedicated years of their life and their labor to our society and our state, and I don't think it's asking too much that we honor their contribution and ensure they can retire in dignity. All that to say, I think this retiree bonus falls far short of what these retired workers deserve. But it is a step in the right direction, so credit to everyone involved for making it happen. I hope that you can build on this foundation and keep moving forward. And credit to the local governments who made the choice to do the right thing and pay this bonus to their lo local retirees. Shame on those who chose not to. Going back to the October advisor, quote, some of the reasons that have been given actually show the ignorance of a few local leaders in ignoring the public employees who work daily to bring the local unit to its current status, close quote. Bronner praises Huntsville Mayor Tommy Battle, but calls him out for opposing the retiree bonuses, having had to be overruled by a city council. Moving south, quote, the mayor of Orange Beach opposed the bonus, saying RSA is a casino betting the house's money. Obviously, the mayor does not understand how defined benefit pension systems work, nor does he understand that the public employee's bonus only cost a mere one-time total of $35,692 for Orange Beach. And these are the people who made Orange Beach a great destination. The mayor is operating in a fog. The RSA owned Raycom from 1996 to 2018 and had 12% of viewers in the United States. Raycom merged with Gray Media and now broadcast to about 34% of viewers across the country. During all this time, the RSA has used tens of millions of dollars in ad time that advertised and supported all the businesses of our beautiful beaches. The RSA has supported Orange Beach, and Orange Beach should support RSA's retirees. Bronner was obviously not amused with the mayor of Orange Beach's ignorant remarks. Next, again from the October RSA advisor, Quote, a leader in Decatur opposed the bonuses for their retirees, which would have cost the city $252,030, because he did not want to fund something for a specific group, but preferred to spend public funds on things that benefit all citizens. When asked about his support for a splash pad and who benefited from that, he said that retirees could take their grandchildren there. That is unbelievable. And let me add, for the mayor of Decatur, Maybe retirees could afford to take their grandkids to the splash pad you built if the city had done the right thing and honored these bonuses. That money would have gone straight back into the local economy, and they should know that. Closing out from the RSA advisor, quote, the RSA manages and invests the funds for local employers and then uses these funds to pay the retirement obligations of local employers. RSA cannot decide on its own to provide additional benefits to retirees. Only after a le legislation can the local employers make that decision pursuant to the law. We are happy that most retirees have received or will receive a bonus this year. We regret that some of our participants did not receive a bonus because their former employer employers chose to fund other, object, uh, other projects or interests while ignoring inflation's effect on long-time citizens that gave years of dedicated service to their local agency or government. Remember that when these local politicians want your vote. Close quote. And amen, Dr. Bronner. The retirees deserve better.
Hometown Action is a grassroots organization building a multiracial working class movement for racial, gender, economic, and environmental justice in Alabama's rural communities. We stand in solidarity with Alabama workers and are proud to support the Valley Labor Report's efforts to inform and build the Southern Worker Movement. Please visit hometownaction.org and follow our social media channels at Hometown Action to learn more about how you too can get involved to make the South a better place for all workers. Solidarity, y'all. IBW558 is like a great football team. You've got to have the aptitude, skills, and knowledge to outperform the competition. If you're a non-union electrician, now is the perfect time to get off the sideline and join our team. We have the absolute best wages and benefit package in North Alabama and Southern Tennessee. It's because our team stands together, bargains together, and our families benefit from it. With immediate openings, you have the opportunity to see why the IBW is the right choice. Energy Alabama is a locally operated and membership-based nonprofit organization focused on advancing Alabama's clean energy future through education and advocacy. Many people in charge of infrastructure and building decisions simply don't know about how viable clean and renewable energy is. To that end, Energy Alabama has provided instruction to more than thousands of adults and tens of thousands of K-12 students across the state. We're working hard to build careers in clean energy and help everyday Alabamians save money on their utility bills. Learn more about our work and how you can join us at energyalabama.org. Support for the Valley Labor Report comes from the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers Union. Learn more by visiting www.ifpte.org. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtnj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services provided is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. Support for this program comes from the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 136, out of Central Alabama. Learn more at IBEW136.org. Attention union members, membership organizations, podcasters, or anyone with a payment processing need. The future is here, and your organization needs to be prepared by working with Unionly. With Unionly, your union or organization can take payments on a mobile device, eliminating processing fees, giving you a better price than other payment processing methods, while at the same time supporting a union-friendly business with a specialized skill set to meet your needs. Your members will thank you when they pay their dues at their convenience without waiting in line to deposit cash or check. Start preparing for the future today by calling 206-595-8631 or visiting unionly.io. Labor creates all wealth. All wealth should go to labor. And you are listening to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host is Adam Keller, but he is out today. He's in Houston, Texas. Sitting in for him is Ben Job. Say hi to the people, Ben. What's up, y'all? 
appreciate you joining me. Appreciate you taking the time. If you've got anything to add, you can get where Charles was on the other side of that break earlier and give us a call or send us a text. The phone number is 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. We got a text message from the phone line from Zach from Oklahoma. He says Oklahoma Teamsters contract proposal meetings are done and local 886 is preparing for victory in 23 we love to hear that zach i appreciate it we have a uh very very vigorous discussion in the youtube chat going on today um mostly around mostly around that conversation that i was having about tuberville and so username bama slayton says why don't you just say that Auburn has a long history of paying coaches to quit? It says a lot about state leadership and Auburn boosters instead of driving politics. Then I think he said, and then he just says, or she, I don't know, tools. So I, I, I think that I'm being called a tool there. Um, and I don't really feel like I am the one driving politics here by responding to Tupperville's quote. I don't think that I'm I'm the one driving divisions. I think that Tupperville is the one by creating this false narrative, by creating this false narrative about lazy young people and dividing people up by age and totally unnecessarily. I think he's the one dividing us up. He's the one driving politics. He's the one playing these partisan political games. I'm only bringing facts to this to the discussion, <laughs> reading you Bureau of Labor statistics about what's going on and explaining to you and reading off public information about pay scales from Amazon and and all these other companies uh and 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 you know, so I I think I think that what I'm doing is uniting working class people with the truth. With the truth, which is that politicians like Tuberville, bosses that donate to his campaign, want to screw you over. They want to screw you over. That's their whole thing. And I'm not, and I, I, this is a union talk radio show. We have never, as a program, endorsed a candidate or gone out and said to vote for this or that person, but we have talked. And I actually have a segment prepared that I'm going to be <laughs> talking about a Democrat in just a second. Okay? So, you know, whatever, your, your vote individually is, like, less important to me. But I think it's important to understand, to understand who these people are and what they're doing and what they're saying and, and when they're lying to you. And we do have a caller on the line. All right, great. Do you want to take one? Yeah, yeah. And 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 you know, so that's that's all that I I I don't so I don't think that I'm the one driving politics here. I think that's I think Tuberville is the one drive uh, creating divisions and I am combating that. Oh, that's I, my opinion. And I, I would say like every time I hear a piece of news or even an advertisement or something 
just see if it's a rich person telling you to be mad at a broke person. Yeah. Because their whole <laughs> game is like, as long as they're pissed at other broke people without power, then everything's going to move smoothly. Exactly. Uh, but you, fellow workers aren't your enemy. They're never going to, they can't even like give you the stuff you want if you wanted stuff out of life. Like your fellow workers, like the, you can get it together, but when you're apart, when you're after, when you're trying to fight with uh, fellow people of working class, you're just like, you can't, you can't get the wealth through that. You know what I mean? Even if yeah. you're just after the wealth. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So let's bring the caller on, uh, on the air, Ben. Uh, caller, what is your name, and where are you calling from? And you are live. Hey, what's going on? It's Infinite Content from Philly. Hey, <laughs> Infinite Content from Philly is a uh, uh, prolific YouTube chatter. Appreciate you calling in. What's up? Uh, how are y'all doing today? First. Oh, I'm doing good. Doing good, brother. Okay, so what some people don't understand with this whole Tupperville thing is exactly what you all are explaining. It's class division. The um, the bosses and the oligarchs, they want the uh, class to fight amongst itself so that we don't get together and, you know, defenestrate them. And I know that's a big fancy term from one of these, uh, these Yankees, but defenestrate just means throw them out a window. Um, and that's what probably needs to happen with some um, of the powers that be. But we are not mad at the workers. We are mad at Tuberville for trying to play the workers against each other. Am I correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, all, for, quite frankly, I'm disappointed that Alabama fans actually let uh, – <laughs> Right. <laughs> I was surprised. I was surprised. Yeah. I was like, he ain't going to win. He's he's ours. How'd you let that happen? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how they did that. Besides, I'm like... Right. <laughs> rich people are telling poor people, like, oh, you all are working hard enough. That means, mm -hmm. well, they're just trying to exploit us. Yeah. Yeah, qu quiet quitting. That's, an exactly. that's the most amazing... I don't even understand, like, who came up with quiet quitting? Right, right. Yeah, and the, you're, I mean, it's just quiet quitting, and the whole the definition of quiet quitting is like, I'm literally, I'm just going to do my job. Uh, I'm just, not going to, I'm not going to give you free labor. I'm not going to do things outside of my job description or work over for no money. That's what quiet quitting is. It's just doing your job, and then they're like, oh, this is so bad. If you're going to be on with my work, if you're going to be on and below with the, um, with your pay. It's crazy. Crazy. And then, and, and so, so Bama Slayton replied, said, uh, but you're not going to go to the root cause of the premise that Tupperville got paid at the end of the contract. I mean, look, obviously, him getting paid... Who's your thing? That's, yeah. That's not... Uh, that's that's um, outside the scope. Sure. Like, all, all I'm saying is... All I'm saying is that it is worth... It is it, it just as a preface to the conversation about how he is dividing us up. He is dividing working class people up and telling us to believe that there's this group of working class people that are really lazy and, and they're takers and stuff. It's interesting that he is somebody that got $5 million to quit. I just think that's an interesting thing. To, you know to understand but the, the the much bigger thing is obviously that he's dividing working class people up and trying to pit us against each other for no real you know the, there there's nothing there there's no there there with the you know the, 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 the young there but no the there is that workers are locking horns with each other mm -hmm. uniting and locking horns against the uh against management exactly 
Exactly. Way out. Yeah. Taking up enough of y'all's time. Um, thanks for um hearing me out. Y'all have a good one. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks for the call. Thanks for calling in. Uh, so. Hey, here's here's a reminder just before we go into our next story because this is this is really important. This came across my feed by virtue of uh, co-host Adam Keller, who, despite not being an educator anymore, not being an educator by trade any longer, he is still very much he very much has connections in that community. He has a passion for it, um, and he showed me that the deadline for nominations for elections to leadership of the Alabama Education Association is on Monday. Monday, October 31st. Monday, Monday, Monday. Three days from now. Two days from now. I don't know how you would... The Alabama Education Association is the largest association of educators in the state of Alabama. Though they also incredibly confusingly represent principals and superintendents. Nonetheless, NEA affiliates can be better and they can be worse. And it's the decision of the members what path the organization takes. You know, I think that the AEA is, is particularly top-heavy. It is particularly driven by the people at the top, maybe more so than uh, some other NEA affiliates. But there are mechanisms to change that. There are mechanisms to change that. Um, and, and it's up to the members whether or not they want to make use of the levers that they have in their in their association. They don't even like to be called a union, right? <laughs> the AEA doesn't. But, uh, you know, we always talk about how the union is, is, is just the workers, and that's, and that's true. Uh, workers get to elect who represents them in their union or their association, as the AEA likes to say. Workers get to elect who represents them in their union, and their leadership is only as powerful as their members. So these elections are going to be very important for educators, children, and parents as we gear up for a fight against school privatizers um, in the next quadrennium. School privatizers who want to suck public money out of public schools and drive them into the hands of wealthy private school CEOs. Um, it really is a shame that there's not more awareness of the AEA elections that are coming up. I can't believe, I just found out about that yesterday when Adam sent it to me. Um, but, you know, I guess that's the world we live in. So if you're an educator, if you're an educator and you're listening to me and you want schools to be better, you're an educator and you want your working conditions to be better, you want your children's learning conditions to be better, if you're an educator in Alabama, you're listening to this, consider running for office in the AEA, in the Alabama Education Association. They're such a weak union. They don't even want to be called a union. They could definitely use a shot, a shot in the arm. So, again, if you're an educator in Alabama, elections for office in the AEA are coming up and nominations close. Nominations close on Monday, October 31st. So if you don't nominate yourself or somebody else by October 31st, not going to be able to do it. So to do that, log into your AEA account, myaea.org, to learn more, nominate yourself, nominate somebody else, all that good stuff. I think it's very important, very, very important. Um. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll get to this. Uh, then we'll get to this Hyundai story on the other side of this break. So, uh, let's go to a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report. Energy Alabama supports consumers and is a leader in advocating for them. 
we have been able to successfully fight off utility rate increases in the state, reduce fees for electric vehicles, increase electric vehicle infrastructure spending, and secured a $100 million refund by Alabama Power after the utility overcharged customers for fuel. To learn more about our work advocating for customers and join the fight, go to energyalabama.org. There's a lot of talk about a shortage of workers, but that's not the case with IBW558. We have provided our customers over 3,000 workers and performed over 3 million man hours in a pandemic year. With 8,000 OJT hours, 900 classroom hours, OSHA 30, and a state license, our members receive the equivalent of a master's degree. That's what makes IBW558 the right choice for your electrical needs. Look us up at Facebook or at IBW558.org. North Alabama DSA is looking for folks to work for a better North Alabama. They prioritize mutual aid, municipal activism, and union solidarity. Contact them on social media or dsanorthalabama at gmail for more information. Support for this program is provided by the International Association for Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama. Learn more at iamaw44.org. Hometown Action is a grassroots organization building a multiracial working class movement for racial, gender, economic, and environmental justice in Alabama's rural communities. We stand in solidarity with Alabama workers and are proud to support the Valley Labor Report's efforts to inform and build the Southern Worker Movement. Please visit hometownaction.org and follow our social media channels at Hometown Action to learn more about how you too can get involved to make the South a better place for all workers. Solidarity, y'all. Support for this program also comes from the Iron Workers, Local 477. So if you are looking for contractors with lower than average EMR and TRIR, uh, they tell me that if you need to know what those mean, then you will. Uh, or if you need to supplement a workforce at any level for any amount of time, short or long term, if you need iron workers that come trained and certified at no extra cost, or if you need workers from superintendent down to general laborer, and you're looking to start work on a project or you're unhappy with your current contractor situation, you need to call my friend Jeb Miles with the Ironworkers Local 477. They only work with the best in the business, vetted contractors, and can do all kinds of jobs from roofing to steel and bridge erection, from welding to heavy rigging, from structural repairs to machinery alignment, and much more. They supply manpower on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama, so you know they're legit. If you need good quality, safe, efficient, diligent, and knowledgeable workers on your job, then you need the Iron Workers Local 477. Call Jeb Miles at 256-383-3334 or via email at local477 at bellsouth.net and make sure you tell them that you heard about them on the Valley Labor Report. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. 
www.ghostofgovernmentsinc.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. Support for this program also comes from the Mid-South Council of Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union. Learn more at rwdsu.info. Talk radio show. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host is Adam Keller, but he is in Houston, Texas this week. So Ben Joe is in the studio. Hey y'all. Hey y'all. Appreciate you helping us out, Ben. It's always nice to have you uh, uh, to have you helping us out. Um, and and allowing us to use this space. This is a really great space that we've got here, I think. So, oh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. All right. So, um, if you've got anything to add, you can send us a text. Not going to be able to take any more phone calls in the main show today, but you can send us a text, 844-899-TVLR. We might read it, uh, but i got to get through these next two stories before we, uh, before we uh, go into overtime. We can take some more calls in overtime, though, if people want to keep calling in. So let's uh, let's dig into some more of these recent updates about child labor in Alabama. From Reuters, who originally broke the story about children working in manufacturing facilities with OSHA violations for amputation hazards back in July... From Reuters, in an interview before a Reuters event in Detroit on Wednesday, Munoz said Hyundai intends to, quote, sever relations with the two Alabama supplier plants under scrutiny for deploying underage labor, quote, as soon as possible, unquote. Jose Munoz is the company's global chief operating officer. And so that's, that is the the big recent news, is that Hyundai is going to be cutting relations with these two plants uh, that have that that have been going through this this scandal about child labor here in Alabama and you know what this is doing is not taking accountability it's not an attempt to rectify mistakes or to make amends to the community that that they have damaged and that they've damaged purposely in my view right I mean Dale Jackson, even said when I spoke to him about this situation on his radio program, the whole reason, the whole reason that companies like Hyundai use these third party labor pro- providers, the whole reason that they subcontract out this work in the first place is specifically to skirt labor law. You're not stupid. I'm not stupid. They're not stupid. We know that's why they used them in the first place. And now that their supplier has gotten caught doing exactly what they were brought into Hyundai's supply chain to do, doing exactly what they were brought into their supply chain to do, Hyundai is now cutting them loose. And of course, look, obviously no tears are going to be shed by me for the executives of these suppliers. Like I said to Dale on his show, I reckon these people ought to be arrested. I do. I reckon if we're going to be throwing people in jail for missing fines uh, for a traffic ticket, 
or any 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 number of or or you know sleeping on a park bench or something if we're going to be putting poor people in jail for things like this executives of companies that put 12 year olds in <laughs> manufacturing facilities with OSHA violations for amputation hazards they should absolutely be going to jail for child child endangerment absolutely absolutely okay so no tears are going to be shed by me for these executives. But these executives are not the ones that are going to be hurt by this. They are not the ones relying on this job for a paycheck to provide for their families, right? They're going to have a nice parachute. They're going to have a real soft landing at some other company exploiting some other worker. That's what's going to happen for the executives of SL Alabama and Smart Alabama, these suppliers for Hyundai. They're going to have a real soft landing. It's not going to hurt them, not going to punish them. Not going to hurt and not going to punish the people responsible. This will hurt the workers that came forward with abuses of management. That's who that's going to hurt. And that's exactly what the United Auto Workers are saying. In a press release from the United Auto Workers, they say, quote, by abandoning these workers... The company, which has received millions of dollars in subsidies, has effectively walked away from a problem without any regard to the consequences of their actions. And just to illustrate that point about the subsidies really quick, this is from the American Prospect in, an, in, in a piece about this situation last week. In the past, Alabama has given Hyundai, Alabama, the state of Alabama, has given Hyundai hundreds of millions of dollars in subsidies. It lured the company to locate uh, in Montgomery with a $252.8 million incentive package in 2002 and another $59 million in inducements in 2018. So we're looking at ju just from those two, just from those two subsidies, a quarter billion dollars from the taxpayers of Alabama, from these workers. I can't believe Gen Z would do that. Right, right. Yeah. A <laughs> quarter billion dollars from people like these workers who are now going to be out of a job, who pay taxes. In that piece for The Prospect, Lee Harris interviewed the Southern Regional Director for the UAW, and he expanded on that criticism of Hyundai. He said, quote, you know what happens to be in that supplier plant? Local Alabamians who pay taxes to the state. You're paying taxes to your state, and your state has given Hyundai money and incentives, but when your employer uses child labor, the CEO's solution to stop that is I cut you out I cut you out of a job. That's insane. That's insane. Instead of walking away, here is the UAW's proposed solution and a solution that I think makes sense. From their press release again, quote, The people of Alabama deserve quality, family-sustaining union jobs in auto. Jobs they can depend on, UAW Region 8 Director Mitchell Smith said. We call on Hyundai's Global Chief Operating Officer, Jose Munoz, to rescind his decision to cut ties with their suppliers and instead come to Alabama, 
meet with auto workers and the community and agree to improve working conditions for the U.S. workers who make Hyundai vehicles. I think that would be the right move. I think that would be the right move. And in addition to that, instead of severing ties with these suppliers or allowing them to stay third party, Hyundai should just take over operations of these plants, have it all in one, one supply chain so that they are responsible for the things that come out of this plant. And this does seem to be part of the solution that Hyundai is rolling out. Uh, though, you know, who knows how sincere that is. But this is from uh, Munaz's interview with Reuters. He said, Hyundai is pushing to stop using third-party labor suppliers and oversee hiring directly. In addition, Munaz told Reuters he had ordered a broader investigation into Hyundai's entire network of U.S. auto parts suppliers for potential labor law violations and to, quote, ensure compliance. And so, you know, like... That sounds good. That sounds good. But we'll see how much of that is just BS and how much of that they actually follow up on. Um, And, you know, I mean, that's just one of these issues with these non-union manufacturers, right? There's just so little accountability that these companies have to anybody, to the community, to the workers, or even the consumers. But uh, Hyundai has a clear incentive, a clear and timely incentive to try to BS their way out of this scandal, uh, to just post through it, as, as folks on Twitter might say. Um, from the American Prospect piece again, quote, the Korean car giant is currently asking the Biden administration to loosen the rules on a consumer tax credit for electric vehicles, which was recently enhanced in August's Inflation Reduction Act. That now requires the, so the IRA now requires qualifying cars to be assembled in North America. If Hyundai could get the IRA provisions delayed until its U.S. factories are up and running in 2025, it would help the company compete in the roaring new market for electric vehicles. So there's a huge incentive. They've got this huge, I mean, there's just this, this enormous hundreds of millions of dollars ask here that Hyundai has before the president of the United States, basically. And so there's all the reason in the world for them to say all sorts of pretty sounding things. But how much incentive is there going to be for them to follow through on it, especially if the Biden administration caves? In the same press release that I mentioned earlier, the UAW said uh, that they called on the Biden administration not to give in to these requests from Hyundai. From that UAW press release, quote, the UAW is also calling on the Biden administration to ensure that Hyundai Motors does not receive any subsidies, loans, or other support from U.S. taxpayers until the company agrees, uh, the company commits to work with the community to remedy workplace problems, agrees to a monitoring mechanism, and establishes high road workplace practices that will benefit workers and the communities in which they reside. Hyundai is lobbying to loosen the rules on the consumer tax credit that requires autos to be made in America. A quote from UAW President Ray Curry, President Biden has said that uh, President Biden has said that transition to a green economy must result in quality jobs for American workers, and we could not agree more. Hyundai's use of child labor in their U.S. supply chain should immediately disqualify them from taxpayer subsidies. 
And I mean, I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, obviously, right? Obviously. What's the other, I mean, what would even be the other, uh, uh, the other option there? What would be the justification to continue giving them taxpayer subsidies while they're using child labor? Bonkers. It's bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. And so, you know, we'll see what happens. Obviously, we're going to keep, uh, we are going to keep following this story. Uh, that supplier out of Montgomery has still not faced any fines or penalties or anything like that. Um, but I have a feeling that they will, given what happened to the supplier outside of Mobile, face some real penalties there. So we're going to keep following this and we'll keep you updated. Um, and the last story, it looks like the last story that I'm going to be able to get to is this about uh, what's going on in Tennessee. But uh, here's some good news to lead into the next story, and, and it's, it's relevant. Um, Business Insider did an article on a recent study from Cornell showing that union members make $1.3 million more than non-union counterparts over their lifetime. So if you want to earn a million more dollars over your life, uh, then join a union. Um, from the article, workers without college degrees particularly benefited from career-long union membership. In fact, a worker without a college degree who has been in a union for 100% of his career is actually expected to make more than a non-union worker with a college degree. And I can attest, I mean, I, I, can, I, I can attest to that. Uh, I know... Yeah, I mean, I'm a union worker with a college degree, and I know, <laughs> and I know, uh, union workers without college degrees who make more than you know, pretty significantly more than I do. <laughs> David Story being one of them, uh, not having a college degree, making a lot more than I do. So no debt, come on, and no debt, hey. exactly, exactly. <laughs> IU Pat, I mean, we got a few of them sponsoring the show. You should reach yeah, out to them. You know, we got up. we got the phone numbers and the email addresses. Call them. Uh, if you're if you're just getting out of high school, there is if you're just getting out of high school. Seriously, if you're just getting out of high school in the area, you're listening to me, um, and you're like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Uh, I college is like we, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to go to college. Um, don't want to pay for college. Don't want to pay, pay for college. college. <laughs> Can't pay for college. Seriously, consider going into the trades. And if you're gonna go into the trades, get into a trade union apprenticeship program. Get into a trade union union apprenticeship program. You can go back and listen to the ads on our on our live stream or on our podcast, or if, if you just want um, if you just want to talk to me directly, uh, feel free to message the show. We're on Facebook, Twitter, all, all those places, and the DMs are open. So uh, send us a message, and we'll get you in touch with the local trade union. Um, that's what we're all about here. So uh, so yeah, that that's some pretty good news. One point three million dollars more than non-union counterparts over their lifetime. And with that. We're going to wrap up the main show today talking about this push to get right to work in the Tennessee state constitution. Um, that's just a little bit north of the state border, but uh, you know we're in the Tennessee Valley, and and I think that I think that actually our FM frequencies actually go up into Tennessee a little bit, and I know that we've got some folks listening online from Tennessee. Um, and they are uh, uh, there is a push in Tennessee to get quote, right to work, which I think is more accurately called right to wreck, put into the state constitution. This is being pushed by, of course, of course, politicians and bosses. Um, 
and it really is amazing because they've got a website and you mentioned this earlier and it's, and it's funny that you said this this Ben because uh, they've they've got a website what is it uh, right maybe right to work TN I, I'm not sure if if I can find the site really uh, tnrighttowork.com yeah here it is and they've got this uh, if I was them I wouldn't have put this on my website honestly because it's like if you're looking at this and you are not anything except put off like I don't know what I don't know what to do for you I mean I don't know because they've got this they've got this list on their website of leadership of this campaign there's this campaign uh, to put right to work in the, in the Tennessee state constitution and it's like an official thing you know and so they've got this leadership for the campaign oh no and it's embracing myself all bosses and politicians Governor Bill Lee Governor Bill Haslam Marsha Blackburn, Bill Haggerty, um, Bob Pitts with the Associated Builders and Contractors, which is a non-union construction contracting organization. Um, Kent Starwalt, the Tennessee Road Builders Association. Hospitality Tennessee. This is a hospitality, uh, you know, employers association. Let's say it sounds like a temp agency or something. Yeah. Rob Eichard, the Tennessee Grocers and Convenience Store Association. Like, yeah, I love taking advice from grocery store bosses. That sounds fantastic to me. I mean, that's all it is. And it's just this, like, like a hundred different state representatives and state senators and all these. And that's it. That's it. You know, like, it's one thing, right, to have... Okay, there are there's this campaign that we're pushing, and incidentally, here's this politician that endorses it. Maybe even here's this boss that endorses endorses it if if they're a community leader or something. I don't know. I don't know that I would put that on there, but maybe let's say incidentally. But also, I have this group of workers. I also have this church. I also have this community organization. You know, something like that, mixing it up a little bit, right? One thing to have politicians and bosses in a list it's a totally another thing to have a list of people pushing your policy and it is only politicians and bosses only politicians and bosses where are the workers at (laughs) there's the right to work (laughs) red flags should be going off uh, sirens you should not be able to think straight for all the sirens going off in your head when you see a list like that you should not be able to think straight and you know I, I just, I, it's a good rule of thumb. It's a good rule of thumb. If you see a ballot measure or a policy or something that the only people that are listed on the campaign's website as supporting it are politicians and bosses, it's going to be bad for workers. It's going to be bad for workers. That's just a fact of the matter, basically. And so they're pushing to get right to work in the state constitution. Um, it's already law in Tennessee. It's already law in Tennessee, so it's not going to actually change anything about the way that employment is structured. It's just going to make it more difficult to repeal if, if citizens, if the citizens of Tennessee change their mind. <laughs> if the citizens of Tennessee change their mind about this pro-boss policy, the people that are in power right now want to make it more difficult for them to do that. And so that's what this is about, uh, putting right to work in the state constitution. And so really quickly, just a reminder, what is right to work? 
I want to remind everybody what right to work is because so many people have no idea. So many people have no idea. I had Yaffe on the program. It's been months ago now. It's been months ago. But part of the conversation veered into right to work. And it was clear he had no idea what it was. He had zero idea what it was. He thought right to work meant that you could be fired for, for whatever reason. Um, you could be fired for any reason or no reason at all. Which is the case in Alabama. You can be fired for any reason or no reason at all. Unless that firing uh, is federally illegal. You know, there are some federal protections that you have on your employment. Those are anti-discrimination laws. And you have a, a, a ostensibly, <laughs> you have a right to form a union. Ostensibly, right? And so these are things that even in Alabama, you can't fire somebody for. But what that's referring to, you can be fired for any reason or no reason at all. That is at, that's what's called at-will employment. And that's every state in the union is an at-will state, basically, except for one or two. One or two states have just cause laws that you have to, you, you know, your boss has to have some reason to fire you. Can't just be because he, like, you know, woke up on the wrong side of the bed. But here in Alabama, your boss can just wake up on the wrong side of the bed and he can fire you. And, and you know, I don't know, people like Yaffe think that's, people like Yaffe think that's good. I don't. But that's the case in virtually every state in the union. What right to work is, is right to work is a law that comes in between the employer and the workers. Because when you have a union, you collectively bargain a contract. You collectively bargain a contract. And so you go kind of article by article, line by line, and you write the terms of your terms and condition of your employment together and then it becomes a legally binding contract that the the boss can't break and you can't break okay what right to work does is it comes into those negotiations and says you cannot have this specific clause in your contract you cannot voluntarily agree to this specific clause in your contract that clause being that if you want to work here You've got to pay representation fees to the union. And that is the only time that conservative small business people want to impose restrictions on what kind of terms of terms and conditions of employment a boss can impose on their workers and workers can, can agree to. You want to work in unsafe conditions? Conservatives say fine. Your boss wants to make sure that you have a car to work there? Conservatives say fine. Uh, boss wants to make sure you wear a uniform. You've got to go out and buy your own uniform. Conservatives say fine. But if bosses and workers want to say that, okay, we agree that to work here, you've got to pay representation fees to the union, which is going to help workers, which is going to benefit workers by making their union stronger, you can't do that. That's what right to work is. And that's why bosses and politicians want right to work is because it hurts unions it makes it more difficult for us to organize because it decreases our funds because we have to support free riders in the same workplace right <laughs> you're able to get all of the benefits of union membership and we legally you legally you 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 can't uh, 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 we we have to support that 
And I don't think that's good. I don't think it's good that we have to support free riders. I don't think that it's good that workers and bosses can't come to the, uh, can't agree to have that clause in their contract. That's what right to work is. That's why it's bad. We're going to continue the conversation and over time, all power to the workers.